Hello, friends. This is Pastor Pierce Eaton, and you're listening to First and Foremost, a podcast where we give you teaching and tools to make Jesus Christ first and foremost in your life. If you will open your Bible to Matthew chapter 28, Matthew chapter 28, man, there's a few things that get me more excited. I would say nothing gets me more excited than hearing God's people uh, scream or shout or or sing at the top of your lungs the, the idea of shout Jesus from the mountains, Jesus from the streets. If, uh, if that doesn't get you excited, you're in the wrong place. Or maybe you haven't experienced the transformative power of Jesus. Or maybe some of our hearts have become calloused or deadened to the truth. And we need our hearts to be re- reawakened. It fits perfectly into... Uh, my sermon this morning, which is uh, the final discipline in our, in our series on spiritual disciplines. Some of you are like, thank God this is the final discipline. <laughs> but we're ending with, uh, with this discipline. Uh, today's not the final Sunday. Next week we'll have kind of a surprise ending to this whole series and launch into something really cool, I believe, God has for our church. But um, today we're on evangelism. And I'm excited to cover uh, my, or at least one of my favorite passages of Scripture today. It's a passage called the Great Commission. Uh, you might be very familiar with it. The thing about the Great Commission is that Jesus, he, he, had just, he had just died on the cross for our sins. He had been resurrected, bodily resurrected from the tomb. He goes and he interacts with his disciples and and many other people over the course of around 40 days. And at the end of that, he meets his followers on a mountaintop in Galilee. And at that mountaintop, before he leaves our earth to return one day, Jesus Christ is coming back. And, and when, when when he's leaving, he gives a final command to his people. A final commission. This is, this is the last statement, the last command. Uh, many would say it might even be the most important command, even though I wouldn't say that one of Jesus' commands is more important than the other. All of them are important. But this one has a special emphasis because it is the command to all of God's people, his church, in what we are to do in this new covenant age. The night before Jesus' crucifixion, he, he brings out uh, the bread and the wine and he, and he tells his disciples of how this is the new covenant in his blood. And he, he gathers them together and then he goes to the cross and he spills that blood, ushering in a, a new era for God's people. God's covenant people, before Jesus came, there was a covenant God had with Israel And now there's this new, beautiful covenant that we have in Jesus. And when Jesus leaves, he he sends us out to do something. We're not here just twiddling our thumbs, waiting until Jesus returns. He gives us a command. He commissions us to go and do something. And today we get to see what that is. And uh, this is probably one of the most exciting 
passages of Scripture. Some people get excited about miracles that were in Scripture. Some people get excited by great works that God did. And one of the most exciting things for me is this passage. So let's read it together. I want to invite you to stand with me. Matthew 28, verses 19 through 20 is what we're looking at, the last bit in Matthew. Jesus says to his followers, he says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. I'll explain this week and a little bit next week about why that is my favorite and most exciting portion of Scripture. Um, but let's pray, and I'll unpack this a little bit. Father, you are here with us in this room. Lord, we ask that you speak to us this morning, that you transform our hearts and our minds to be in alignment with your will and your call upon us. Help us to see that we were not saved to be idle Christians. And Lord, help excite our hearts to what you are doing in our world. Whether I say it or not, Lord, we ask that you speak to each one of us, that we leave here challenged and changed. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please take a seat. All right, so evangelism is the topic today. Now, you may have ideas about evangelism. You might, when I say evangelism, you might think of someone standing on the street corner with a bullhorn and yelling at people, right? Um, that might be what comes in your mind when you hear the word evangelism. Or you might think of Billy Graham standing in front of a stage, standing on a stage in front of thousands upon thousands of people. You think that's evangelism. Or maybe you think evangelism is going door to door and knocking and saying, Hi, let me tell you about Jesus. Or maybe you think that evangelism is, do you know what a tract is? You know, it's like a piece of paper. Sometimes people use the ones that look like a $100 bill and they leave it somewhere and someone's like, dude, I found a hundred bucks. And they pick it up and then they realize it's not a hundred dollars. And they flip it over and, and it tells them about Jesus. Maybe that's what you think of when you think of evangelism. Uh, we all may think of different things that we feel uncomfortable with. Some of us have a boogeyman version of evangelism in our mind. The, the idea that we think we don't like that version, we don't like the, the way that they do things, so we don't like evangelism. But I, part of my goal this morning is to demystify evangelism just a little bit. It's not as, as uh, maybe, it's may, maybe not what you think it is. So I want to start with a definition. When I refer to evangelism, what I'm referring to is evangelism is the act of sharing the good news of Jesus with another person. That's pretty simple. It's the, it's the act of sharing the good news of Jesus, what he's done with somebody. 
That can happen in a lot of different ways. It could be standing on the street corner with a bullhorn, but there are many other ways it can manifest in your life. We share the good news of Jesus. We share the truth that he went to the cross and paid for our sins, that he was resurrected from the grave, and that people can have new life. They can have restoration. They can have eternal life, salvation through Jesus by faith in him. That's, that's the, the good news message that we proclaim, even though there's so much more to it. And there's a lifetime of learning that we all have in diving into being gospel-transformed people, but we carry that simple, truthful message of what Jesus has done with people. That is evangelism. So, that's what we're talking about. When I talk about evangelism, that's what I'm referring to. I'm not calling you to go stand on the street corner with a bullhorn, even though God might be. I'm not ruling that out, but I'm just saying I'm not, I'm not referring to that. I'm talking about evangelism much more broadly. And before we unpack uh, evangelism or demystify it by some different methods, I want to unpack our passage. And I want to start that by, by uh, maybe overcoming a lie. There's, there's a lie that many, many Christians in America believe today. In fact, many of you are in this room. You might be one of those people who believe this lie. It's a lie that's been told uh, by Satan to Christians in hopes that you believe it. You want to know what it is? That lie is that only certain people are called and sent by God as missionaries and ministers. Most Christians in America think that being called or sent as, as a missionary is some mystical, uh, special, separate calling that only a few people receive. And, and so Pierce, Pastor Pierce, you know, one day when he, was, when he was a kid, he went out and, and he stepped outside and he saw written in the clouds, Pastor. And he just knew that was his calling. Or, or I was eating my alphabet soup, right? And then I saw, you are called to be a missionary. And we think that's how people are called. We, we think that only certain people are called and sent by God to be pastors or missionaries or church planters or things like that. Only certain people are called to that. And the rest of us, all we are called to is to just be a part of our local church, to be a good person, just do our thing. Maybe we give a little bit to those other people going. But we just do, just do our thing. Be a good person. Guys, that is... A lie. This is my first point this morning. All believers are sent. Every one of us. Scripture makes it overwhelmingly clear. Every disciple of Jesus is sent as a missionary, a minister into our world. Our passage shows us very clearly. Jesus tells you to go and make disciples, not of yourself, of Jesus, to go and make disciples. The Great Commission wasn't only for the people who were there that day. It's for all of, of the followers of Christ throughout all of time, which is why Jesus in verse 20, if you look there, in verse 20, he says that he will be with us in this endeavor to the end of the age. If it didn't apply to all Christians to the end of the age, then he would have said that. This applies to you too. 
And this isn't the only time in Scripture. Scripture brings this up over and over and over and over in the New Testament, that God's people are a sent people. We can see it. I'm going to highlight three. Acts 1.8, in Luke's version of the Great Commission, he says, and you will be, Jesus says this, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth we are sent. John chapter 20, verse 21, Jesus says to his disciples, as the Father has sent me, he says, peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. 2 Corinthians 5.20, Paul writes to the church, and he tells us that we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. What's an ambassador? But someone who is sent by the king to represent him, or by the president for that matter. And these are just a few passages of scripture that show us that being a follower of Christ means that you are to live as a missionary. Now, I know some of you are thinking, hold on, Pierce. So you mean to tell me that I'm supposed to sell everything I have and I'm supposed to move to Zimbabwe or China and be a missionary? And the answer to that is, maybe. (laughs) Maybe you are. But for the vast majority of us, the answer is probably no to that. Right? That maybe, in fact, you actually are supposed to sell everything, to give everything up, but it's to be a missionary where God has already sent you. See, we forget that God has sent us already. Every, every single believer and follower of Christ is already sent. Some of you are waiting on that call. You're waiting to receive some kind of special writing in the clouds. When God shows me that, then I'll respond in obedience when he's already said it clearly in his word. You are sent as a missionary, as a minister, into the world that you already inhabit. You're already sent as a missionary into your home. You're already sent as a missionary into your neighborhood, into your school, guys, into your workplace, into the city, into the county, into domains and areas of darkness in our area, you are already sent. You're already in your mission field. The question is, do you realize it? You're already there. It, it makes me think of, just think about the idea, if we, if we had someone that wanted to be a missionary to go to China, and we, we came up and we raised funds for them to send them to China, and we prayed over them, and then they went there, and as soon as they got there, they were like, yeah, well, you know, I, I realized, you know, I don't, uh, I don't think I'm supposed to, to reach people for Christ here. I think I, I need to go to a different village. I'm like, we already sent you to China. You're, you're already there. Just reach people wherever God has you. And we think it would be odd for a missionary in a foreign country to do that. And yet we don't think it's odd when we do that. God has already placed you. He's already gifted you. He already is giving you a sphere of influence. The question is, do we recognize what's around us? And are we willing to step into that and be missionaries, sent people, called people as ministers into the sphere of influence that God already has given us? Every believer is sent. Point two this morning is that we are sent to make disciples, not just 
converts. And I'm not against the idea of conversion. Conversion is a necessary aspect of placing your faith in Jesus, being a disciple of Jesus. But sometimes we can, we can, uh, let me, let me just, let's look at the passage and then we'll unpack it. So if you look at the passage, Jesus says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So we see that that conversion aspect is signified here through baptism. Not that baptism is the thing that converts you or the thing that saves you, but is a, is a symbol of that salvation. And verse 20, then he says, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. So we're going to have a geek out moment here. Are you guys ready for something on the Greek a little bit? So um, I know that most of us don't know anything about Greek. We have a phrase. We say, that's Greek to me, right? And so, um, so yes, we, uh, I know that. But in, in the original Greek, so um, in Koine Greek, there's a, a voice of a word that you can give um, that makes it in the imperative tense or in the imperative mood. Um, what the imperative uh, mood of a word is, it makes it the kind of central and emphatic command of a sentence or of a statement. It's the central thrust of, of a sentence or, or something that is said. In the original Greek, this passage, there's only one imperative in all of this. We, we see go and make disciples. We, we see all these different things where Jesus is telling us to do stuff, but the only imperative is make disciples. That's, that's the imperative. And the reason that's important, and the reason why I'm even bringing this up, is because all of the other commands are qualified or informed by the imperative command to make disciples. And what I mean by that is that the command to go and the command to baptize and the command to teach are not separate commands from making disciples. Instead, those commands to go, baptize, and teach are the way that we execute the central command of making disciples. That's what's, that's what's being conveyed here. That the entirety of the Great Commission is not, not some go and some make disciples and some baptize and some teach. No, that, that we're all called to make disciples, which requires us going into the world that God has placed us in to carry the good news of Jesus so that they place their faith in him and, and, and convert to, to Christ. They, they believe and place their faith in Christ. They are saved by faith in Christ and what he's done for them on the cross. And then we don't wipe our hands and leave it there, but we say, okay, now, now that you're a believer, let me show you how to follow. That, that's, what, that's what this is. That as disciples, we have a, a responsibility to continue the disciple-making process by helping them, helping that new believer grow to maturity. Now, I'm not saying that you need to be someone's own personal Mr. Miyagi in Christianity. Like, you don't have to be the wax on, wax off guy, right? Um, so the best context for people to grow and mature in the faith is within the context of the local church. So you lead someone to Christ, then... The goal then is not to, like I said, wipe your hands and be like, cool, well, got another one. Let me mark that down, and good luck, buddy. Hopefully I'd see you in heaven. 
and just like leave them alone. That's not the goal of this. It's not just simply to proclaim the good news of Jesus, even though that is uh, obedience to the command is, is a good goal. But, but the point of all of this is that we, we make disciples of Jesus. A disciple is marked by obedience to Christ's commands, which means that they also go. There are um, a lot of ways that we can do this. And uh, I don't want to be like overly prescriptive. What, I, what I'm trying to do is just highlight for you that um, evangelism is more than simply tallying up the numbers so that we can say that we led X amount of people to Christ. The churches that often do that um, just for the sake of tallying up those numbers, um, lots of times there's no genuine fruit that comes from it. That you got someone to, to recite some kind of magical incantation of words after you in a prayer, and they walk away not knowing anything different, not being changed, not having really understood what it meant to follow Jesus. And you're like, I'll pray for you. My encouragement to you is just not to discourage you from sharing the gospel, but to help you see that sharing the gospel is the beginning, not the end. That we're, we're helping people grow in this lifelong journey of following Jesus. And we get the opportunity to share the truth of who he is with them. And then we have the opportunity to walk alongside them and help them grow. Whether we do that personally or whether that happens within the context of our church. One of the things that we're going to start doing uh, beginning in the new year is we're going to start having a new believers class. Um, because I feel confident that over the next three to four months, you guys are going to become very evangelistic. Um, you'll see. You don't believe it yet, but you're going to. And we're going to need a class that helps these new believers get a strong foundation and be incorporated into the ministries of our church so that they grow and are fed. And um, I, just, I just want to encourage you, an easy way to do this, when and if you share the gospel with somebody, if they're open to the gospel, maybe they don't respond in faith then, maybe they do. Get their phone number. Say, hey, I'm going to shoot you a text. I'm going to follow up with you. And uh, see, you know, the next step for you is being a part of God's people. So um, come to church with me. We don't have to complicate the matter. Like I said, you don't have to be someone's personal Mr. Miyagi. You can um, just bring them into community and let God's people disciple them, lead them, and help them grow. Um, I, I've, had, I've got a lot of stories of me uh, sharing the gospel with somebody who... Um, who I was able to either get in, into our church or maybe, like I, I've got examples of, um, like one time I had a, a young lady that I shared the gospel with and, and she placed her faith in Christ and she didn't live in the area at all. Um, she lived like four hours away from where we lived at the time. And rather than being like, well, good luck, I, I asked her where she lived and then I looked up solid churches in the area and then I, and then I asked her, is it okay if I share your information with one of the pastors at this church? And I reached out to that church and said, hey, I just led this person to the Lord and, and they, she needs to be a part of a church and will you disciple her? This is her information, please reach out to her. 
make that handoff. Make sure that people are um, being able to be discipled. Or maybe uh, one time, you know, one time I had a guy who I led to Christ, and he was a college student, and he kind of had some, um, he was hesitant to be a part of a church because he felt, he had some kind of some past baggage there, and he wasn't quite willing to do that. But I knew that he needed something. I couldn't just wipe my hands and walk away. So I said, well, you should start reading the Bible. And he's like, I don't know where to start. And so I told him, just start reading the book of Matthew. Showed him where it was in the Bible. And said, we'll meet next week. Read as much as you want of it. We'll meet next week. And then you just ask me any question from the reading, whether you read one chapter or however many. And we met the next week. I was thinking he was going to read like two chapters of Matthew. And we got back together and he's like, hey, so this week I read 17 chapters of Matthew. And I'm, I've got all these questions written down. And we just talked through them. And we went through a few books of the Bible that way before I started saying, all right, dude, you got to start being a part of the local church. And we got him into our church and he started growing. And, and now he's a faithful follower of Jesus Christ and is mature and is discipling others. But the goal in all of this, the goal in evangelism is not, um, is not to wipe our hands, but to help people grow in the faith that they proclaim, that they profess. Okay, point three this morning is that Jesus empowers our evangelism. Jesus empowers our evangelism. Um, have you ever, you've ever been somewhere alone that um, was unfamiliar, kind of scary? Probably. Um, I, I remember whenever I was a kid, so my dad was a pastor growing up, and whenever I was a kid, every once in a while, he would have to go up to the office at nighttime or work on something, and uh, whenever he would do that, sometimes I would go with him, and when I would go with him, I would always want to go up to the youth room, because the youth room had a ping pong table and a pool table and video games and all that stuff, so it was my opportunity to leave the house and go play with all the cool stuff, and I would leave with my dad. I would get there, and all the time, if I was by myself, I would forget. I would, it was on the second floor of the church. I would go up to that area, and there was a long hallway with Sunday school rooms on each side. And I always left the doors open, and there were no windows on this hallway. And the light switch for the hallway was on the opposite side from when you walked in. I don't know who designed it that way, but I had to get to the youth room before I could turn on the lights in the hallway. And I remember being a kid and being absolutely terrified to go down that hallway by myself. It, am I the only one who's ever had things like that in, in your life? Am I the only one who's kind of scared of the dark? Or at least I was when I was a kid. So I remember, um, I remember like getting ready and I would stand at the end of the hallway where there was an emergency light and I'd be like, all right, here we go, Pierce. And then you're like, and I'd like sing, I would sing song, you know, like I'd sing like hymns and stuff to pump myself up because I'm like, if there's any dark forces in here, you know, I'm gonna, you know, and anyways, I'd like take off running down the hallway to get to the end and flip the light on because it was terrifying. Uh, scared, scared of what? <laughs> I kid you not, this is like my kid mind. I was always scared that a wolf would jump out of, of one of the classrooms and get me. It's like, what? <laughs> But a seven-year-old's mind isn't always logical, okay? So, um, anyways, I would, uh, I would get there and, and I would be uh, terrified. But when I turned the light, I was okay, right? 
Well, um, one of the things I was thinking about this week, that was always a terrifying thing for me. But one of, the, one of the things about it that wasn't terrifying is that if I would go up there with one of my three brothers, if, if even my little brother, like if I just had someone with me, then I felt way more confident to just stroll down that hallway. Especially if it was my older brothers. He'd be like, yeah, that's right. Got my older brothers here. They're going to beat up that wolf. <laughs> but it's amazing how having someone with me totally changed my, my feeling about walking down that dark hallway. And the reason why I even bring up that story is because for a lot of us, Walking that path of evangelism is very scary. We've never done it before. Or maybe we did it once and it, it didn't work out too well. So we're scared. And it's especially scary if we think the endeavor of sharing the good news of Jesus with somebody, if that is something that actually happens alone. But Jesus makes it clear in our passage that's not the case. So if you look with me at verse 20, at the end there, Jesus tells us, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Matthew concludes his gospel account with this statement from Jesus that we're to go. But he reminds us of the beautiful statement that Jesus will never abandon his people in that commission to make disciples. Which is, I don't know about you, but that, that transforms the way I think about evangelism. That transforms everything for me in that because no matter how dark or bleak the circumstances are, I can, be, I can trust that Christ is already there and he's working. No matter whether I feel prepared or not, Christ is already there and he's working. This, this transforms our feelings when we engage somebody that we know or don't know with the truth of who God is because we know that God by his power and the Holy Spirit that's working in us will, will make sure to use all of this in a fruitful way whether we see the fruit of it or not. So we don't have to worry too much about whether we'll say the right thing or not. We don't have to fear whether we will have the right answers. What if they ask this question and I don't know the answer to it? It's okay. You're not alone in this. We don't have to fear how people will respond. God is already active and working. Instead, our goal should just to be obedient to the Lord. That our goal should be to be obedient to God no matter what is set in front of us in that moment. Even if our obedience is imperfect. Even if we stumble through it. Even if we, we don't share it the way that we were trained on how to share it. We mess something up. If we didn't have the right answer. Responding in obedience to the Lord and his prompting and the opportunities he gives us to declare who he is to others, God will use the imperfect obedience that we offer to him for his good purpose. We're not alone in this. So we can trust that 
God is working. You are sent as a disciple of Jesus to make disciples of Jesus and Christ ultimately empowers that endeavor. Okay, so let's talk about just some practical ways to do this. I know that many of you have been trained on all kinds of methods or different stuff. That's not my goal this morning. My goal is to, like I said, demystify evangelism a little bit. And so I have, I have three things I wanna bring up to you about how to share Christ with people in everyday life. Um, the first one is a really important one, and that is to pray for opportunities to share the gospel. You will be amazed at how quickly God answers that prayer. Right now, so we, we have this, this uh, discipleship program that's a part of our church. We just launched it a few months ago called Deep Dive, and we're going to be changing the name soon. Um, but we have Deep Dive that's going on, and, and the, the guinea pigs who are for, a part of that first class, they, uh, we've, been, we've been challenging them to share the gospel over the last couple weeks. And uh, is really encouraging this past week to hear how many people prayed for God to give them an opportunity to share the gospel, and, and he did. Even my own wife, she, uh, she's a stay-at-home mom, and she, she was concerned in, in that call to, to share the gospel with someone that week. She was concerned she just wouldn't have an encounter with somebody that would even open itself up to that. But she prayed. She said, Lord, you, you, you're in command, so we just, just ask that you open up an opportunity. And while she was at Aldi this past week, someone came up to her and, said, and, and tried to, tried to uh, talk to her about a false religion. <laughs> and my wife's like, oh, well then, Lord, this is how you work. And she got an opportunity to share the gospel with this person. And, and yeah, and, and it's, it's just cool to see how um, even when we think, even when we think that we don't have opportunities, if we just pray and ask the Lord for them, he, he shows them to us. I mean, in fact, he starts to show them to us all over the place. The question is, are we willing to be obedient whenever he does show them to us? Second thing is to be intentional in your conversations. So this is really not complex or complicated. Be intentional in your conversations. Look for opportunities to turn the conversation to Jesus. So here's, here's kind of how I'm intentional in my conversations with people. Um, this is people I know, people I don't know, strangers. This is all I try to do. Be friendly. It's amazing how just being kind, being friendly, like wanting to know about them, not seeking, not seeing them as like someone to overcome or conquer, but just that they're a human being and you care about them, even if you don't know them. So you just just are friendly to them and you want to get to know them a little bit. Be friendly. Um, remember that you are carrying the thing that they are searching for. This is something I have to remind myself of often because I can, I can tell myself that people don't really want this. I don't know if you're the same way. So I just see the way that people are living their lives and I just think, hmm, no, I'm not going to share the truth of the gospel with them. And I forget that actually everyone I see is searching. They don't realize what they're searching for, but they're searching. 
and I have the answer. Why am I scared to share that? So I boost myself with the confidence, the truth, the truth of that confidence, knowing. And then um, my next thing that I do is I just seek to explore them in the conversation. To get to know them a little bit. Know about where they come from, what they do for a living. You could start with just the, the simple conversational things that you ask people. What do you do for a living? You know, that kind of stuff. And then um, as that conversation goes, keeps going, don't be, the, so, sorry, don't be the person that you meet someone, you ask them one question about themselves, and then you just want to talk about you the whole time. If you want to do that, see a therapist, right? Um, that, that is, that's not the purpose of this. this is, we're, we're to get to know people. I want to know about you. I want to know about your background, your history. I want to know about uh, what's going on with your family. Maybe I see an opportunity in that to turn the conversation as I get to know them to something about God. When they share about, well, my family, actually something just happened with my family, this or that. And they say, oh, wow. Wow, actually, I'm a Christian. Is it cool? Can I pray with you about that? Boom. Turn the conversation to something that's deeper. Or uh, one of my favorite things to do is after I work through the conversation, I know this might sound a little bit blunt to some of you guys, but um, I, I'm trying to get the deep dive group to, to do this, is just talk to people about their life. And as you're like, okay, what do you do for a living? They tell you, and you're like, cool. So tell me about your, your spiritual background. And just ask them that question. You'd be amazed. If you're just genuinely interested in people and you ask them to tell Tell, them, tell you about their spiritual background, how many people will be like, oh, well, okay. Um, well, you know, I grew up in church or this, and they'll just start to tell you. And you could hear that, and then you respond. It's a conversation. And just looking for opportunities to, to turn it to say, hey, can I share with you what, what Christians believe? I'm Christian, and I, I think I've got something really cool you want to hear. There are many ways you can turn the conversation, but if you're friendly, if you explore them, then you will see opportunities to turn that conversation to Christ. It makes me think of one story I want to share quickly. Um, I had an opportunity one time with a guy. I was on a college campus at Texas State. Um, my wife and I did college ministry there, and, and I really enjoyed just striking up conversations with with random college students. In fact, I drove a bus for a little while for the, for the college because uh, driving the bus, one of the things that I would do is I would sit and drive the bus and as, as soon as someone sat in the chair that was right behind me, I would say, rule number one on my bus is if you sit in that chair, you have to talk to me. And they'd be like, uh, okay. And then I'd be like, so what's your name? Where are you from? And start talking to them. And I would get opportunities some days to share the gospel like eight times. It was really cool. You have a captive audience. They can't go anywhere. <laughs> but it, it, uh, God used it in really incredible ways. And, and, uh, but one of the times I was at a dining hall on campus and I struck up a conversation with a guy. And I just, I just asked him, uh, I don't know why I chose this guy, but I walked up to him and, and I asked him what his name was and what his major was. And then I said, hey, I'm just walking around right now um, trying to get a feel of, of people's spiritual beliefs on campus. Would you mind answering, what are your spiritual beliefs? And he was like, oh, I'm a Christian. And my common response or thought to that is, I'm sure you are. Um, and so I, I didn't say that. I just said, oh, wow, cool. Well, tell me more about that. What does that mean to you? And he's like, oh, yeah, well, you know, you just got to believe in Jesus. 
And rather than being like, okay, cool, he's a Christian and moving on, I'm like, so what does that even mean to believe in Jesus? And he's like, well, um, you know, you just gotta have faith. And I'm like, okay, cool. Well, that's awesome. Well, why is Jesus so important? And he said, oh, well, Jesus is important because, um, you know, he gave us the Ten Commandments and, uh, and yeah, so you just gotta follow his rules. And I was like, really? So Jesus gave us the Ten Commandments and you follow his rules? I didn't know that. And he's like, yeah. And then I was like, hey, can I, can I tell you something? And he's like, what? I said, what if I were to tell you that Jesus didn't give us the Ten Commandments? What would you say to that? And he was like, well, that would be crazy because that's what I was taught growing up. And I was like, yeah, well, you may be remembering incorrectly, but let me tell you, I'm actually a Christian. And I explained to him the gospel and said, Moses gave us the Ten Commandments. This is the gospel. And what's amazing is he came on the other side of that and he was like, wow, I've never heard that before. <laughs> but, but like three minutes ago, he thought he was a Christian. I mean, I've seen this even in our church. <laughs> you guys, there are many of you in this room, several of you, I should say, in this room, who thought you were a Christian six months ago. And over the last six months, you've discovered that you actually weren't. And you've placed your faith in Jesus. Just because they say they're a Christian doesn't mean they are. And we live in a very cultural Christian society. Just ask people about themselves. Get to know them. God might reveal something and you can share the truth of who Jesus is with them. The last and third thing, this will go quick, is uh, to use your story. So there are many ways that we can share the gospel. I'm going to next week give a, just a brief example of that. But one of the most impactful ways to share the gospel is through your own life and story. Whether it's how you came to faith in Christ or whether it's something that God has done in your life since then. But just telling people about something that's happened in your life and how God has moved, it's, it's amazing how God can use that. And here's the really cool thing. For those of us that feel fearful about sharing the gospel, no one can deny what's happened in your life. We're, we're scared of like the boogeyman atheist that we hear about. It's like, what if they say this or that? And you say, well, this is what's happened in my life. I don't know about you, but I can't keep from testifying what, about what God has done in me. And we share that truth and let God use it how he uses it. There are many ways to share the gospel. Um, using our story is just one bridge to that. Next week, I'm going to unpack, um, we're going we're gonna to wrap up this whole series in hopefully a fun and creative way. It'll be hopefully a sermon kind of different than any one that you've gone through before. Um, my goal in it is to give you a very simple tool that will help you in this endeavor, in this call to make disciples. And we have some fun announcements and uh, things like that that we'll unveil next week that have to do with how you are about to be very evangelistic. Um, I know some of you are shaking your head like, not me. And you just wait. You tell God he's not going to do something. Um, but I'm excited for what the Lord's going to do through our church um, as we seek to be obedient to him and his commission, his call, his mission upon us as his people. I want to invite you to stand I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to sing one more song. Let me pray for us. Father, you are, uh, you are so good. 
And some of us has, have, have forgotten that. We have gotten so used to going through the motions that we have lost the spark of your spirit in us that makes us see how good you are, how transformative your grace is, and how we are to carry this good news to all the people around us. Lord, I ask that um, this week you give everyone who is here, who is a follower of you, you give them an opportunity to respond in obedience to you in sharing the truth of who you are, to sharing the good news of what you've done for us. Whether that be to a family member or a friend, someone in our neighborhood or at work. Lord, that, that could even be a stranger in, in the line at the grocery store, wherever you might have us. Father, help us to see the opportunities that you open up all around us. Your word says that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And Lord, I pray that you cultivate us into many workers who are ready to go out into the harvest. Father, I ask that you um, give us a fervor for your gospel and for your work in our world. That we, that we be people who proclaim who you are, tell, tell the world about Jesus. Help us in that this week, I pray and ask in Jesus' name. Amen.